Um, this morning, super excited to have a friend back in the area. I, I, you know, Ken, I can't remember, it was like six, seven years ago. Uh, Ken came into our area to speak at our FCA Champions Dinner and um, had a blast just listening to him. And, and uh, that night he was there to entertain us and I felt bad because, I don't know, as always, we were running late. And it was like, uh, Ken, glad we flew you in here. You got about 10 minutes, you know. And um, it was like he needed like 10 hours with us. I don't know if my jaw could have taken it from smiling so much. It just sort of cramped up. And since then, I've had opportunities to hear Ken in different locations and places. And uh, we said, well, 10 years now with FCA, we want to bring Ken back because we're going to have a fun time tonight and celebrate. And it's like, you know what? Ken doesn't just do comedy. He preaches like on a weekly basis. And uh, he's always opening up God's word and sharing truth. And it's like, Ken, you know, you want to come to our church Sunday morning and preach Sunday morning? And, and you know, because you're going to have uh, a fun time with us Sunday night, but Sunday morning, bring God's word. And uh, so I'm excited to hear Ken preach this morning as he shared God's word with you. Ken, come on up here. I want to pray for you. And uh, it's going to be all yours. So let's go ahead and pray. All right? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this time. Uh, in which we get to open up your word, in which, uh, Lord, we have not just a friend, but a brother in Christ here who loves you, who loves your word, and you've spoken to him, and he's going to share that with us. And so, Lord, bless his words, because they're your words. And, Lord, may our hearts be turned to you now. In the name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Um, I I just want to thank you for letting me be a part of this. Uh, I think a lot of times in our culture, we take whatever is popular or... uh, I guess, something that everybody's seen. I I have been on Comedy Central. That is a a reality. If you have satellite radio and you listen to Blue Collar or Laugh USA and you see Ken with two N's go across there, that's me. And uh, I made 28 cents right there. Just boom, right there. So I I think we look at that and we go, wow. But I can tell you my favorite part. It it really is. And I I tour all over the country. I've performed in 47 of the 50 states. But um, I'll traditionally fly home, either the red eye or first thing Sunday morning, so I can be at my church. And uh, a lot of times I'll actually speak at my church, and we have a couple different campuses, and, and that's reality. Uh, reality is here. I can tell you, not only do I, I thank you for letting me be here, I've been in your area before. I have been to the Delta Spring Chicken Festival, okay? I've been there. I have run in the spring chicken race, and, uh, and I have actually performed over there a few years ago. My son, one of my two sons, came with me, and, and I, I told him last night, I texted him, like, dude, you're not going to believe where I am. I said, I am in, uh, you know, we just passed Delta, and I just saw a sign for Mommy. And uh, it, we just had this big joke of, uh, where's Mommy? You know, and, and, well, she's over there. No, not her, Mommy. And uh, we just, we had just a great time with that, and it's one of those pieces, he goes, Dad, you're not going to believe this. I have on my Chicken Festival Run t-shirt right now. And I was like, you're kidding me. So we, we, just, we just have this great deal. I love this. This is what I love. This is my favorite. And truth is, God's truth is true no matter where you are, uh, no matter what language, no matter what part of the world. And, and, and there's, there's fundamental truths that we learn very early in life, even without having to know the, the Bible, because God is in everything. And, and and I want to take that lesson and I want it to bring it to today, to where you and I can realize that God is right here, right now with us. And I want to just take you back. Do you remember when you were three years old? That's one of my first memories, three years old. Three years old, I'll never forget. I used to ride my tricycle across the street to where the big kids were riding their bikes. There was this driveway that was like 40 feet long. It was like this steep. 
And I would sit at the top of that hill and just go, wow, and watch them ride their bikes down it. I was like, wow. And I'll never forget, one day they came up to the top of the hill on their bikes, like, shh, they're like six and seven years old. I was three, and they're like, hey, you know what would be cool? If you rode your tricycle down the hill. And I'm sitting there on my tricycle going, uh, no. And they said, oh, what are you, chicken? Are you not a man? And I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm three years old. I'm not a man. I'm just t-. And they said, you know, we'll be here. Watch this. We'll be with you. Trust me. This will be great. And so I got my tricycle, and I went over the edge. Halfway down that hill, I'm doing 114 miles an hour, okay? <laughs> Do you remember tricycles? The, the pedals are connected to the wheels. Do you remember this? And I'm sitting there hanging on for dear life, and they're just and I'm like, ah! and I remember having two thoughts. My first thought was, I have no shoes on. That was a good thought. I thought, I cannot put my feet on the ground. That was a good, three years old, this is going through my brain at warp speed, you know, and I'm like, okay, second thought, I'll just put my feet on the pedals and slow it down. You put your feet on the pedals of a tricycle doing 114 miles an hour, that wheel stops. Not the rest of the tricycle, it keeps going. I went over the handlebars, and I remember just kind of going, ah, and I, bam, I went the last 10 feet on my face down this driveway. Have you, do you remember crying so hard that you make no noise, and you can't breathe, and your eyes won't open? Just that, and I'm sitting there just going, ah, and I, I, I reach up, and I feel the bottom row of my teeth has come out through my skin below my lip, and it's just, I'm just ah, I know, it hurt me too, you know, so I, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, as soon as I catch my breath, as soon as I open, they will rush down, and they will be here to help me, and I finally caught my breath, and I opened my eyes, and they were gone, and I learned at a very early age, be careful who you trust. Three years later, they built a treehouse. 30 feet in the air, and it was at, my, at that same house in the back, and I remember climbing up the treehouse, 30 feet up, and I'm six years old now, and they're like, hey man, you got to be initiated. And I'm like, what does that word mean? And they're like, you got to grab a branch from the other tree and ride it to the ground. And I'm thinking, no. They're like, come on man, we've all done it. Trust me, man, it's awesome. Trust me. Now, they hadn't done it, I found that out later, but... I grabbed the branch, and I launched into the expanse. And I'm riding this branch down. Halfway down, I'm approaching Mach 2. Okay, I'm there. Something in my brain was saying, this is going to work. And then something else in my brain said, tree branches are connected to tree trunks. And I was like, woo, And it's just right here. And I moved my face. And I moved my head right at the last second. Bam, snapped my collarbone in half. I know, it hurt me too. And uh, so I'm laying on the ground with that same cry, just that. And when I finally got my eyes open and caught my breath, they were, they were gone. You be careful who you trust. And you learn this at a very early age. And I also remember being very, very small. For some reason, I don't I don't know why. I remember it was the Travel Lodge in St. Augustine, Florida, and it was the first time I'd been in a pool that did not have a shallow end. And I remember my dad being in the pool going, come on, jump, come on, jump. And I'm like, no. And he's like, jump, trust me. And I'm just like, okay, get closer, get closer. And if you were a little kid, if you're a parent, you know the kids want you like right here, so there's no way they're going to touch the water. And he's like, no, you got to trust me, you got to trust me. And I remember terrified jumping in that water, but he caught me. 
And that was the transition for me to being fearful of water, to learning to swim, to enjoying water. And it's that trust. Be careful who you trust. That concept, and this verse I'm going to read you, the couple verses in Psalm chapter 3 this morning are, are going to be somewhat familiar if you've been in a church for a while. If, if you haven't heard them before, I encourage you to take them to heart because it's going to sound like, well, yeah, that's good. That's good church talk. That's a great verse. But what I want us to do is to transition from that into reality today. That God really is right here, right now. He really does tell us this truth so that we can take it today with where we are. It says simply this in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And as I think through this, I think, okay, Lord, and this is the way I just take verses all the time. I just break them down. I'm like, okay, what, what does trust in the Lord with all your heart mean? What does that really mean? And I'll never forget when I, when I was praying through this one time in my life, and this verse has come back in my life multiple times, even to today. And I'll never forget one time, I was flying to San Francisco. I'd never flown to San Francisco before. Now, I fly, oh my goodness, probably 100 flights a year. I, I love to fly. I absolutely love to fly, and I love the window seat. I really love the window seat. I love to watch just passing by, and I love the window seat. Take off landing, I love it all. Never flown to San Francisco, and I remember getting on this flight and sitting him on the seat, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And I remember the middle seat was empty, and I remember going, God, I got a lot of work to do. If you can just leave that middle seat empty, that'd be awesome. And I no more had that thought that the lady came on the last week, ladies and gentlemen, it's a full flight today, so make sure you're near a science seat. And I'm like, great. I'm like, Lord, if you can go let a little girl like this one, how old are you? How old are you? Five. I was like, Lord, if you can just let a little girl like this sit right there, then I can spread out and still get everything done. And, and, and I'm not joking. The last person on the plane was going to get the seat. The last guy coming through the door was a door, okay? This guy was like 6'3", minimum 300 pounds. And he looks at his thing, looks at the seat, and he just goes, oh. And I'm like, oh, man. I'm not exaggerating. He sat down. When he sat down and exhaled, the metal armrest bent out. And he's just kind of squished in there. And he's like, man, I'm really sorry. And I'm like, you're big. What are you going to do? It's okay, you know. And, and he exhaled. And I was like, against the side of the plane. I'm like, this is going to be a great three hours. And, and he was the nicest guy. We got to talk. And I'm like, hey, what are you doing? And he goes, well, I'm going to San Francisco for a tryout with the 49ers. And he was a lineman, okay? If you don't know football, those are the big guys up front. And, and I was just like, wow. And so we got to talk. He goes, hey, I got an idea. Why don't I lean up and you lean back? And like every 15 minutes we'll switch. So the whole flight we're doing this back and forth. And, and it, it worked. And it was just one of those flights where you're just like, okay. And then it, we finally, they're like, ladies and gentlemen, we're on our final descent in the San Francisco area. Please put your tray table seat back in full upright position and all that. Now, I, I'm going to take a, a quick pause, okay? I don't get that instruction. Okay, a lot of instructions in life I get, that one I do not get at all. I fly all the time. How many of you have ever been in an airplane? Raise your hands real quick. Okay, okay, you, you, vouch for this with me. Okay, ready? Safe, unsafe. Safe, unsafe. Really? Death, life. Death, life. And, and I actually asked, I've got some friends that are flight attendants. I'm like, okay, what's up with the tray table? Why can I not have my tray table down? They're like, well... If there's an emergency and we have to evacuate, we don't want anybody to get trapped. And I just thought, I would pay to see that. Can you imagine? Okay, everybody out. They go, oh my goodness. 
help! My tray table's down. It's down. I can't get out. You know, just like seriously, I would just, oh. So anyway, some rules make no sense. This makes sense. Trust the Lord with all your heart. So I'm literally, so I'm sitting there, I'm looking out the window, and I'm noticing the Bay Area. I'm seeing these little specks of sailboats everywhere. I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. And I'm seeing the cliffs, and I'm seeing the beautiful scape over there and the, and the bay, and we're starting to go down. We get under 2,000 feet. We get under, we're at 1,000 feet, and I'm seeing the bay and the land and the bay, and everything in my body is going, ring the flight attendant. I didn't do it, but I wanted to go, um, hey, uh, I was just looking out my window here and uh, noticed a beautiful bay. And the land over there is beautiful landscape. Uh, I was just thinking probably one of the most important parts of the word landing is land. And it's over there. So if you'll just scurry up there and tell the pilot, turn. Because the land's over there. And I didn't do it. And then we start our final descent. We're under 800, 700, 600, 500. I'm just, and, and we're not even thinking about turning. We're just coming. I'm like, oh. We get under 300, 200 feet. I am now seeing people. I can see people on sailboats waving to us as we're going down. The only thought in my mind is your seat cushion can be used as a flotation device, okay? And I am, I am visibly shaken at this point. And we're at 200, 100 feet. I'm like, we're dead. We are dead. Everything in my body wanted to jump at that point and run up to the front and beat on the door and say, turn. And I didn't. I sat there. Got under 100, 80, 70, 50. Out of nowhere, a runway appeared in the middle of this water. And we touched down. And I remember having a little prayer. I'm like, God, I hope you enjoyed that. Because <laughs> I have to change my pants now. Okay, so seriously. And, and as I'm walking off the plane, waiting to get off, God and I have conversations. They're not audible. God's never spoken to me audibly. But these thoughts and these questions come to my mind. And one of them was like, Ken, why didn't you get up? Well, I, I, I trust. What did you trust? I trusted the pilots. I trusted United Airlines doesn't hire guys off the street with will work for food signs to fly their airplanes. And I know some pilots, and I trusted that those pilots weren't lying to me. They put in thousands of hours. You know that black case they carry with them? Do you know what's in there? It is an approach map to every runway in the world. It's in that. So if everything fails systems all fail, they can map out, they can tell where we're going, what we're doing. But most of all, I trusted not only their training, I trusted they knew what they were doing and they had the front window. That's what I trusted. And I remember thinking, and as I'm walking off there, God literally brought this verse to my mind. He's like, Ken, trust in me with all your heart. Don't lean on what you understand. And what God whispered in my heart is, Ken, some of the best view you're going to have sometime is the side window. You're not going to understand what's going on. You've got to trust me with all your heart, even when it doesn't make sense. And I remember just walking through that terminal going, wow, God teaches me that way. And as I'm looking through this, that lean not on your own understanding, it, it made sense up here. But I'm convinced until we get to a point in our life where we don't understand what's going on, we don't fully understand how much God is trustworthy. So here's my question. Today, what is the part of your life that you don't understand? What part is troubling you today? 
that doesn't trouble me at all. I have three kids, and that's like music that they're crying. I don't have to do anything. I love that. Um, <laughs> but what is that part of your life today that you don't understand? What's going on? What circumstance? I want to give you an extreme example of how God taught me this at a whole new level, the don't lean on your understanding. April 27th of 2007. Do you remember where you were? Probably not. It was April. How many years ago? Seven years ago? No. I'll never forget where I was. I was at P.F. Chang's with a friend of mine on tour out in Colorado Springs. Why do I remember that? Because I got a phone call from my wife. She said, Kennedy, she was our daughter. She is our daughter. Uh, she's 10 now, but she was three at the time. She said, Kennedy's running a fever. She says, her legs hurt. I'm going to take her to the doctor. I'm like, great call. Good idea. And she said, she called me again later that day. Hey, they told me to go get some x-rays. I'm like, that seems normal. Her legs are hurting. She says, they just took another blood test. And they're telling me to go to this place. And this place, I'm like, well, that's a little unusual. Keep me posted. I did my show that night. I walk off stage and I walk back to my hotel and I'm talking to my wife and I call her. I said, hey, how did it go? And she is unconsolably crying. I'm like, whoa, 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 what's, what, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? And she said three words that no parent should ever have to hear. She said, Kennedy has cancer. And my whole world turned upside down at that moment. I, I just went numb. And I went to the Colorado Springs airport. There were no flights late. I rented a car. I drove to Denver. I flew all night. And I landed and I walk into a room at the Children's Hospital in Atlanta where we would live for the next two weeks and we would revisit countless times in the next two and a half years. And I remember just going, what is going on? My daughter had acute lymphoblastic leukemia, which in my mind is just spinning going, she's never been sick a day in her life. She's the healthy one. She's never been sick. And fast forward to the point of just total loss and lack of understanding. We started intensive treatment and several weeks passed by. They will tell you that they insert a port into their chest so they can put the chemo in and the, and the different meds as they go. And I'll never forget one span of time they said, now here's the deal. She has a port, she has chemo, there's complications. If she has a fever, you have to bring her to the emergency room because there could be an infection in her port which has a line to her heart and within 24 hours she could be gone. And it's like, wow. And this is our daily reality. We would go to bed every night, not asking, hey, do you think we'll have to go? We would go to bed going, is it your night or my night? Because we're going to the emergency room. We averaged the emergency room three nights a week for a year and a half. And it's 45, 50 minutes away. I'll never forget this one span of time. She had her clinic visit and doctor's visit. And then she had, I think it was six. In 10 days, we were at the emergency room eight times. And I'll not forget the middle of the night, picking up Kennedy. She had a fever of 102. I scoop her up. I put her in the car, and I'm driving to the hospital. I am physically, I am mentally, I am emotionally exhausted. I'm done. And I'm literally driving. And in my mind, in that place where I pray quietly, um, I'm driving. She's in the back seat, and I'm just, it's not a flowery prayer. I'm like, God, give me a flipping break. Are you serious? What do you want? You, you want me to ask you to, for, to, to heal her again? What do you want? And I'm just frustrated to no end. And I'm just at my wit's end. I don't understand this. I mean, I'm not even asking you to heal her completely. Just give us a night. Give us one night where we don't have to deal with this. 
And I remember in that frustration prayer, I started to hear in my consciousness, my daughter in the back, this little three and a half year old little girl's crying. And I, I reached back, I said, hey, 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 are you okay? Are you okay? And I thought she's gonna get sick. She goes, daddy, I don't wanna go there. And I mean, she got, she just knew. The one person she trusts is taking her to the one place she does not want to go. She goes, Daddy, I just want to go home. I'm like, I know, baby. I know. I said, but I'm right here. I said, well, I, I don't think it's going to be long. We just got to get checked out. And I'm holding her hand. How do you explain to a four-year-old, we have to do this. We have to go to this hospital. We have to let them put a needle in your chest. We have to let them run these tests and poke and prod you. We have to do that. Because if we do this, we have an 85 to 90% chance of your survival. If we don't do this, you have about a 15% chance. How do you explain that to a four-year-old? You can't. All she knows is that she doesn't want to go there. And I remember sitting there as we walk in and we're in the triage and we're waiting. She crawls up in my lap. I'm like, I'm right here. I've got you. And she put her head in my chest, and that was the only place she could find rest. And I remember God whispering in my heart, Ken, she can't understand this. And Ken, you're not going to understand this. Stop trying. Stop trying to understand it. You're not. Trust in me. And it was that night that I remember going, God, I'm not going to pretend I'm okay with this. I'm not going to pretend that this is good. I'm not going to pretend that if she doesn't make it, I'm okay. But God, I do trust you. With everything within me, I trust you. And I absolutely don't understand. And it was that night that was a turning point for me. And this verse became very, very real. Because it was in the midst of that where God was like, hey, it was a few days later where it says, in all your ways acknowledge him. Um, if you can imagine that reality, we, we did it for two and a half years during her treatment. The intensive lasted a year and eight months. And just imagine the pressure. I, I don't expect anybody to understand that if you've not been through something traumatic like that. But I can just put it this way. It felt like there was an elephant sitting on my chest all the time. I literally could not get a deep breath ever. I mean, I would try to yawn, and I couldn't yawn, and I was just that level of exhausted, and I would, I would go running, and I hate running. I, I don't know if you're a runner. If you're a runner, great. I think you have a mental illness, but uh, it just, I don't like running, but I would go to run just to, to try to breathe deep, and I remember being on a run one time. I had this little three-and-a-half-mile loop I would run, and I'm running, trying to, to get to the point where I breathe and hard, and God just went, Ken, stop. I just really sense God in my spirit just going stop and I just stopped and I just started weeping I didn't know why and I'm just like and I and I just stopped and I, I don't I can take you to the point on the side of the road where I was and and God just took me back to that place in the hospital where I was holding Kennedy and he was just like Ken you're not gonna understand this will you just let me hold you climb up in my lap let me hold you because I'm here trust me I'm here and I remember just sitting there going, okay. And it wasn't a physical burden, but it, it was a burden that I literally, as I started walking, I just walked the rest of the way home. After I stopped crying, and I'm not an emotional person, 
I, I sensed, and I just, I, I took the first deep breath I'd taken in about nine months. And it was just like, oh, wow, that felt good. And, and when God says, don't lean on your understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, it's, it's not acknowledging that we understand. It's not acknowledging that I, I get it all. It's just saying, God, I know you're with me. I came across another verse. It's become one of my favorite verses. And if you're in Psalm 3, I encourage you, write it. I'm sorry, Proverbs 3. Write it in the margin. It's Isaiah 41.10. And it's highlighted in my Bible. It just says this. So do not fear. I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In other words, Ken, lean on me, lean into me, because that's what it means to acknowledge that I'm right here with you. And it says, in he will make your path straight. I can tell you, I don't have all the answers. I can tell you this, I still don't understand why we had to go through that. To this day, I don't understand it. I can tell you there's some side effects from it that are amazing. My two sons, 16 and 15, have a sensitivity that no other teenage boys I know have around children and around people because they spent two years going to the hospital around little bald kids and they played with them and they encouraged them and they took their minds off of it and they have a tenderness of heart that is amazing I can tell you that my daughter and I have a connection when it says and he will make your path straight it doesn't mean that we're going to see exactly where we're going it means he's going to give you a step I quit trying to figure it out. I quit trying to figure the end of it. I quit even trying to say, I hope we make it through this. I just started going, okay, God, today, today, what do I do today? And for that, I, I, I love those moments that Kennedy and I have this bond because clinic was every Monday. And every Monday I would get her up at five something and we'd get in the car. And if she couldn't eat, I wouldn't eat. And we would just go through our routine because she would be sedated and they would do the spinal tap and the, the chemo. And, and then after it was over, though, we would go eat wherever she wanted. I said, honey, we'll go wherever you want to eat. What do you feel like? She goes, daddy, I want to go to Waffle's house. And I'm like, then we're going to Waffle's house. And we would order and we'd shoot straw paper at each other and we would play games. And it was just together. I'm with you. I wanted her to know that you're not alone. I had heard about this and I decided, man, this is great. I came back about... A year into her intensive, she lost the last little bit of her hair, which is normal. And I came home. I'm like, Kennedy, I love your haircut. She goes, thanks. And she smiled, and she had these beautiful, bright blue eyes. And I said, Kennedy, I want your haircut. She said, okay. And I said, I want you to give it to me. She said, okay. Now, it's awesome. I don't know if you've ever had How She's five years old. That's awesome. Can you, can you wave, wave to everybody real quick for me? I want you to imagine her. What's your name? Grayson? What a pretty name. Imagine going to Grayson and having her give you a haircut, okay? That was my daughter. She was four years old, and we went on the front porch, and we played beauty shop, and she had a comb and an actual buzzer, and she's just going, <laughs> my wife came out halfway through. She goes, oh, wow, you look like you have mange, and I was like, <laughs> I know, right? And she said, you're going to let me fix that, right? And I said, no. I said, it's coming off. And I took a bick and I bicked my head. Now, some of you are what we would call follically challenged. And, and I'll, I'll just say that you guys got good looking heads, all right? I don't have a good looking head. And I would do it again in a heartbeat. For three months, I shaved my head so that my daughter could look up every day and say, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. 
And I'll never forget that night reading books to her. I remember sitting in her bed and we went to read and she couldn't pay attention because she's rubbing her head against my head. She's like, Daddy, we're bald buddies. And I'm like, yes, we are. She said, Daddy, Mommy said my hair might grow back curly. And I said, yeah. I said, that's one of the side effects. And she goes, do you think my hair will be curly? And I said, I don't know, but I think, I think maybe. And she said, Daddy, how's yours going to grow back? And I said, I just really hope it does grow back. And, <laughs> and it was one of the most precious times. And to this day, my daughter and I have a bond that is just precious. It's a side effect. And God made my path straight. And I would just, I would say this. I, I want us to do this very honestly. And you don't have to share it. You don't have to write it down. But I want you to think about right now, what part of your life you don't understand? Is it a relationship? Is it financial? Is it vocational? You, you fill in the category because God knows what that is. And if you can get that firmly in your mind right now and to be honest with just God saying, God, I, I don't understand this. And it's frustrating. But God, are, do you really care? When you say don't worry because I'm with you, don't be dismayed because I'm your God. Do you mean that? And that you're going to strengthen me and you're going to teach me through this? Really? Because I know he does and I know he will. And, and if I can share this one last story with that, and then I'm going to ask you and I to just pray. And Ben's going to come up and do a song in just a minute. But I'll never forget being a young kid. I remember I, I played football for a couple years when I was really small. I was this, the middle linebacker for the 65-pound Smyrna Jets, okay? That was my peak of my football career right there. And I'll never forget two weeks in particular. Now, my dad wasn't into the politics of peewee football. He was the one who sat up on the bank, and he would watch the games. One week, we had won by like five touchdowns, actually four touchdowns. And I remember walking up, putting my pads in the trunk, and sitting in the in the car and driving home and my dad would just go, hey, you played a great game. And I would tell him like he wasn't even there. I'm like, yeah, I got five tackles and two sacks and one by four touchdowns. It was awesome. He says, yeah, he said, but do you remember the last play of the game? I'm like, oh yeah, they ran a reverse and the guy was gone. It was okay and we didn't catch the score, but we got the one by four touchdowns. The coach just said it was great. And it was like, okay. He said, yeah, but he says, you know what? You're my son. And he says, you know what? I don't care what the other guys do. And he says, uh, but you're my son. You, you never give up. He says, you don't know what can happen. He said, they could have scored, gotten onside kick and scored, gotten onside kick and scored, onside kick and scored, onside kick and scored, and they could have won. Now, if you watch peewee football, you know that's a possibility. Okay, so he said, but you just remember, you, you never give up. You never give up. I'm like, okay. He said, you played a great game. Go tell your mom. I ran inside and I told my mom, uh, hey, I got five tackles and two sacks. We won by four tackles. Next week, it was the exact opposite of the previous week. We were losing by four touchdowns. It was raining and it was cold. And I had to go to the bathroom and all I wanted to do was go home. All our quarterback had to do is take the snap, take a knee, clock runs out, we go home. He fumbles the snap. The other team gets the ball, we got to go on the field one more time. I'm just like, oh. Standing there in my middle linebacker position, I'm making the reads. They go this way. It's a sweep to the wide side. They cut us off, and phew, the guy's gone. And I remember running through the mud, and I remember in my mind in slow motion, I remember running through the mud, and the guys on my team stop. I remember the scoreboard clicking down to zero. 
I remember the rain. I remember seeing out of the corner of my eye the coaches throwing down their clipboards and turning around. I remember all this. And I remember a little voice in that little white helmet with green stickers. It said, you never give up. And I took off. I ran faster than I'd ever run in my life. I closed the gap from 20 yards to 15, from 15 to 10, from 10 to 5. From 5, I had his jersey in my fingers. And this would be such a cool story if I actually caught the guy. (laughs) Right there. And I remember being at the goal line, and I had his jersey right there, and the horn went off, and the referee held up his hands and blew the whistle, and I stood there. And I remember going, it didn't work. It, it didn't work. And then I got embarrassed, and then I got mad. And I, re- I don't remember anything the coaches said. I just remember going up that hill and slamming my pads in the trunk. I remember slamming the door and sliding into our Plymouth Valiant. It was a real car. And I remember tucking my head down and sticking my lip out on the tummy. Never give it. I was just mad. And my dad started the car. I never looked up. You could hear the rain tapping on that metal roof. And I just remember my dad started, we started driving. He said, hey, you played a great game. And I literally, I snapped. I just went, were you at the same game I was at? And he was like, yes. I said, we were the green team. And he said, do you remember the last play? Wrong question. I said, yeah, I remember the last play. He didn't stumble. He didn't trip. He didn't fumble. He scored. We lost by five touchdowns. And my dad got real quiet. And you don't raise your voice to my dad. So I tucked my head back down. I'm like, great. I got beat. Now I get beat. This is great. I'm just embarrassed and mad. And my my dad, he said, hey, that doesn't matter. I'm like, it does matter. He goes, yeah, but that's not what's important. He said, what's important is, he says, I don't know if there's been a time in my life I've been more proud of you than right now. It's one of the only two times in my life I've heard my dad say I'm proud of you. And I'll never forget it. He says, because when everybody else gave up, you did not. He says, you finished it. And I'm like, and I didn't understand that. I genuinely didn't understand, but I looked up out the window, and I noticed we weren't going home. I said, where are we going? He says, we're going to McDonald's. Now, you, you, you younger guys can't understand this. This was back when restaurants weren't everywhere, okay? McDonald's was a huge treat. And we drove to McDonald's. Now, we never got to order anything. My dad would usually say, uh, small burger, small fry. You want a Coke or a Sprite? Can I have a Coke? Small Sprite. Okay, I mean, we, we never got to order anything. And I remember walking up to this counter, and the lady goes, hi, welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order? And my dad didn't say anything. And she goes, she leaned forward, and she's like, can I take your order, please? And I'm like, he's going deaf, but that's okay. I'm at McDonald's. And he looked over. He said, go ahead. And I'm like, what do you mean? He pointed at a menu that has not changed in 70 years. And he goes, anything you want. I'm like, anything? And he's like, anything. I'm like, I want a Big Mac. (laughs) He said, a Big Mac. I said, I want two. And he said, I want a large fry, large chocolate shake, and a large Coke. And he said, whatever he wants. I had this mountain of food in front of me, okay? I'm 65 pounds. I'm in second grade, and I'm sitting here going, I'm sitting here, and I ate every bit of it. I have never been so miserable and so happy at the same time. I got my bloated stomach, and I'm thinking, I didn't give up, you know? And and in the history of the world, nobody will ever know that the Smyrna Vikings beat the Smyrna Jets by five touchdowns but I will never forget 
that I trusted my dad when it didn't make sense. And in the end of the game, it didn't make sense. And I can tell you this, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your, your issue is right now, but I can tell you this, if you trust God, one, he will show you the next step. He will. And when, as we take those steps, it will probably still not make sense, but there will come a day and time where we look back. And the abundant life is where God says, hey, trust me and keep trusting me. You, you may not ever get it or understand it until eternity, but the truth is I'm with you and I'll strengthen you and I'll teach you in the midst of it if you'll trust me. There's two types of people that are here this morning. Those who know God personally and God would say to you and I what I just shared to you, trust me and I'll make your path straight and I'll strengthen you and I will teach you. And there's those who are like, I wish I had that. I, I don't, I, I know about God, but I don't know him personally. Then, then my bid to you is, is God is sitting here going, I want to know you because I know exactly everything about you. But I, in true love, there has to be a choice and you have to choose and I have to choose and we all have to choose to accept that love and relationship. And he did all the work. And it's a simple process of going, God, please come into my life and forgive me. I, I want and need you. That's it. That's just the cry of our hearts that we sang a minute ago. So if you'll do this with me, I, I do want to pray. I do want to stand. And I want to just take a moment to firmly get that in our mind and make that transition from head to heart and say, God, here's what I'm dealing with right now. So if you would, stand up. Ben's going to come and he's going to play. And you can stand there quietly. You can sing. You can pray. That's up to you. But if you would, pray with me for a minute. Father, thank you so much for your truth. God, I thank you so much that you said I must go so that I can send you the comforter, the healer, the teacher of your spirit. You in our hearts and our spirits. So Father, I pray right now, as only you can do, I ask that you would move on our hearts individually and intimately as we get honest with you and say, God, here's what I don't understand. Here's what I'm struggling with. We don't even have to have resolution or clarity. We can just go, God, here it is. And you're right here, right now with us. And we can say, God, thank you. I, I, I acknowledge you by turning to you. And it really is only through the gift of Jesus we can even pray. Amen.